We all want you, if you would, to turn in your Bibles uh, to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. We'll read this one scripture. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. I'll read it again. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. We're starting a series tonight. I've talked about it for a long time. We're starting a series tonight on the cross and the songs that we sang that the Lord gave thee, very uh, applicable and, and uh, perfect for, for this series. I don't know how many weeks we'll be in it, but on Wednesday nights we're going to do this study on the cross. And I wanted to start with this passage here. When it talks about that we're buried with him in baptism, it's not talking about, uh, the word of God is not talking about water baptism right there. Uh, it is talking about baptism into the body of Christ, which is another term used in the scripture for being born again. There's different baptisms that are mentioned in scriptures and different in the New Testament. And so certainly we're water baptized after we're born again. But this is speaking about the born again experience where the Holy Spirit seals us in Christ or places us in the body of Christ. That is referred to as a baptism. Baptism into the body of Christ. It says buried with him in baptism. So we're going to be thinking about these terms like buried and crucified and things like that. Buried with him wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. That word operation is kind of strange to find that in the Bible. But it simply means strong, effectual working. Strong working of God, the effectual working of God. So we are buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation or the effectual working of God who hath raised him from the dead. This is found in several places in the New Testament that in Romans 6, I believe, it talks about if the spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in you, he's also going to change our mortal bodies one day to be like his glorious body. And so um, God is going to, I know that you understand the cross, the cross that Jesus died upon and what it means to us. And that's where he paid the penalty for our sins. But I'm praying for myself and for you as well that God will reveal uh, deeper things than what we have known. And isn't that what we all desire? You know, we can't just put, okay, uh, justification by faith, check, I've got that. You know, go down the line and think, well, I don't need to study the Bible anymore. It's a, live, it's a living word of God, and he is going to not only show us things and illuminate things to us in our spirit, but he is going to work that in our lives if we'll lay hold on it, whatever it is. Whatever it is that's of God that's for the New Testament believer, then it's for you. Whatever's in the Word of God that's for a born-again saint of God is for you and it's for me. And, and we're praying that God would, would bring us a deeper understanding of the cross. The Bible says that God will reveal deep things of His Word and of His kingdom to those that seek Him. And so a lot of people put their Christianity, they might really be saved, but they put their Christianity on autopilot and they coast. And that's not what we're called to do. That's not what we desire to do. It's certainly not what God has for us. And so we don't want to coast. We don't want to coast in any area of our life. And so we want to press on to a deeper understanding and appreciation, I guess you would say, of the cross of the Lord. And then what does that mean to my life? What does that mean to my life as a, as a believer? So I know we just prayed, but I want to pray that prayer that we just talked about. I want to pray again right now before we start this, this study for the deeper understanding, whatever God wants to do in our lives through this understanding uh, by a revelation knowledge of the Holy Ghost. It's not just for a revelation knowledge here, although it includes that, our mind, 
but it's a working of the Lord, an operation of God, right? This strong, effectual working of God that we receive by faith. So pray with me one more time. And Father, we just come before you. And God, as we start this study, Lord, it probably won't be the last time we study the cross, Lord, but I pray that you would give us an understanding beyond where we are right now, each individual. There might be people in this room that have a far deeper understanding of the cross than I do or than others do. But Lord, for, for every person, I pray you would take us from where we are and bring us on into a deeper understanding, a deeper attaining as well of all that you desire to do, the fullness of the work of God that you desire to do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as we start, this is going to just kind of be an introduction tonight, but the cross is more than just a means of capital punishment. The cross is more than just the means by which Jesus' Jesus's earthly life was terminated, okay? It, it's more than that, and it was the, the, the capital punishment of the Romans during the Roman Empire, and uh, it represents, actually the cross represents what needs to happen in the life of every believer, okay? It represents what needs to happen in, in the life of every believer on a continual basis, and what that need is, is a dying to self, okay? Dying to self. I don't believe there's ever a point in this life, okay, with our feet on the ground, as Christians, no matter how long we've been Christians, I don't think there's ever a point where we can say, I don't need that anymore. I've arrived, okay? That doesn't mean that there's not genuine progress, because there is. And it would be a horrible... Uh, it would be a horrible way to live in the, according, you know, walking out the, this life in Christ in the Bible if we weren't making real progress. There needs to be real progress. I'm simply saying the cross needs to be brought to bear on our lives daily that we would daily die to self. And it's like a lot of things in the Bible. You might have had some real big growth step in your life, in your faith, in recent times. You know what I mean? You might have had something where this was like a real breakthrough for me. Anybody had anything, whether it's in their faith and their prayer life and their peace, and where you you can remember it. It was like, God, I've been saved for many, many years, but God really gave me like a breakthrough and a victory, a notable victory in this area. So there is real progress. Okay? So don't be discouraged and think that there's not. We say, oh, I continually bear my cross, continually, as though that's just some horrible thing. But there's also real progress. We won't be like him fully until we see him. 1 John 3. When we see him, we'll be like him, for we'll see him as he is. Until, and that to me, it's, it's, I just picture it like the final change. He's, he's, he's carving, right? He's carving or whittling. Like that, that uh, somebody carving a beautiful carving out of wood, and he's doing that every day. Sometimes we see the progress, sometimes we don't. But when we get, when we see the Lord face to face at the rapture of the church, or if we died before then and went on to be with the Lord, then I think whatever is lacking in our Christ likeness, whatever He needs to do to finish it. Uh, is going to be finished. When we see him, we'll be like him. For we'll see him as he is. And, and so that final work will take place in our lives. But don't be discouraged and think there's not real progress between now and then. It would be, uh, it would be almost cruel if we're striving after something. God, God, I need your peace in my heart. I'm so worried all the time. Um, I'm a nervous wreck. And I know your word promises me peace. It would, it would be cruel if we were promised that and never could experience that. You understand what I'm saying? God's not cruel, I promise you. Sometimes we have to press in. Sometimes he'll have to send us through valleys and dark nights, and then he'll bring us back out. There is real progress, just like any 
uh, any other area of our life, there's real progress in dying to ourselves as well. I do believe we can grow in that. I do believe that I don't have to stay a little two-year, you know, a little five-year-old infant in kindergarten in my walk with Christ. And that's the way a lot of people do. I don't want to stay that way. I don't believe it's of God. We're not called to that. And we're not, uh, God expects more from us. And by His Spirit, because He's given us what we need. He's given us His grace. He's given us the Holy Ghost. And I'll tell you what, I've been in churches where it seems like every Sunday, you know, it's it, you're just back at the drawing board. You're back. There's no joy. There's no talk about joy all the time. Talk about peace all the time. Talk about victory over sin all the time. But we're never there. Never there. And if you ever say that you're getting there, then you're arrogant, and you're probably trying to please God in your flesh or something like that. This that's not reality. That's not reality in Christ. There are struggles. There are. Uh, there are testings. There are trials. We know that, okay? God has chosen through the furnace of affliction to refine his people. But yet there is real progress. He is refining his people. And I've said this many times. I'm not nearly where I need to be. But I pray that I could look back and say I'm not where I was a year ago. I'm not where I was five years ago. I'm not where I was 10 years ago. I'm not where I was the day I got saved. And some people stay like they are 20 years from now, maybe because if it's the ministry they're under, maybe it's, it's erroneous teaching they've been taught, maybe it's laziness on their part. You know what I'm saying? They're, 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 20 years from now, they'll be just exactly where they were you know, 20 years ago in Christ. They're not, they're saved, but they're not making progress. God wants us to make progress. And one of the things I pray from this study is that we will understand it better and then attain better, attain to it like we just prayed. The, uh, to, to be dying to ourselves in order that to live through Christ or for Christ to live through me uh, more fully, okay? Uh, this is not just a philosophy of life. This is what God has called us to do. There is victory over sins that ensnare us. Amen. You know, you know, you've heard sermons about the the sin which so so easily besets you, and we've talked about it before. Uh, and a lot of times we'll struggle with a particular sin, and we feel like there'll be no victory in that area because it's been such a long time coming. Sometimes we'll even hear sermons or messages to that effect. Well, that's just my besetting sin. Well, it may be my besetting sin, but it's a sin nonetheless. And Jesus died on the cross to deliver me from sin, to deliver me from the power of sin. Yes, I struggle with this 10,000 times more than I do with this sin over here that God has pretty much put out of my life. But nonetheless, it's a sin, and he wants me to walk in victory over it. And we need to deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow the Lord. He's going to work in us. He's going to bring it about. And so the cross was used by the Romans basically to kill their enemies, to kill these unwanted, these undesirables. Well, think about it. The cross is not something to be feared. If, if we look at it in that sense that taking up my cross and following the Lord would be actually helping me to, to die to myself more, that's a good thing. That's why we can't love our lives unto death. We have to surrender it fully to the Lord. And so we have an old man. You know, when, the day we got saved, only that moment, not before that moment, we became a child of God. We were always a, the creation of God. We were always created in His image. But the day we got saved, we became a new creature in Christ and we have the new man in us, right? This new man. That does not mean that the old man is totally eradicated. How do we know that? Well, for one thing, the Word of God says it. For another thing, we know by experience. You didn't become perfect the day you got saved. You didn't become immune to temptations the day you got saved. The Bible, that's why the Bible says, abstain from all appearance of evil, flee idolatry. It's still telling us, that there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. In other words, you're going to be tempted, but God makes a way of escape. Before you were saved, you didn't have the ability 
and I'm talking about in Christ, that ability, that power. Before you and I were saved, we didn't have that victory or that power over sin. We have it now in Christ. But it does not mean that the old man is totally <clears throat> vanquished. It means he's brought under <clears throat> subject, subjection. He doesn't have that, <clears throat> excuse me, y'all. He does not have that authority. That old man still wants to usurp. That old man still wants to, when we give him the space, to rear his ugly head, so to speak. It's not just the devil. Certainly we have an adversary in the devil. But that old man is probably our as biggest enemy as the devil to us. <clears throat> that he wants control. He wants to sit on the throne. And he does not go down easy. And so... <clears throat> I'm quoting a few quotes from a book that I've been studying, but taking up our cross, when Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24, and also in Luke, we read it tonight, if any man will come after me, there's an if there. We'll study this scripture more in weeks ahead. You don't have to. You don't have to. Just stay where you are. You understand what I mean? You have a choice. That's why there's an if. If any man will come after me. That's a disciple. Okay? Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And taking up our cross is not just like an inconvenience. It's not just like a bother that I have to go through like bearing this heavy, ugly, cruel cross. It's not an inconvenience. It's, it's, it means our death. It's more than an inconvenience. Christ wants to use it <clears throat> to bring an end to ourselves. But that is a good thing, not a bad thing. And this is a difference in a mindset of a believer than an unbeliever. An unbeliever wants to do everything to make themselves happy. Even if what makes them happy is, uh, you know, go join the Peace Corps and help people overseas. They're, they're lost. They're still doing it because that's what makes them happy. It's not done unto the Lord. He's not even in the picture. They don't know the Lord. And it's about self-preservation. I want to protect myself. I want to guard myself. I want to be loved. I want to be appreciated. I want to be thanked. I want to be comfortable. I want to be taken care of. I want people to like me. Uh, and that comes out in every, every facet of their life, even if it's cultured and even if it's uh, polite and well-mannered. Self is still self and still sits on the throne. When we come to know Christ, Christ sits on the throne of our heart and self keeps wanting to knock him off. In little ways, day by, you know, little uh, moments through the day and maybe in some big areas, it wants to knock him off. We want to go to heaven but we're not sure that we want this man to rule over us. You know, like the Jews say, we don't want this man to rule over us. Now, I know that you do want Christ to rule in your life. I'm simply saying there's something that has to, there's an ongoing battle there. And God's means of victory in that is, is through the cross of, if I'm going to be a disciple, not just a convert. The Bible doesn't talk a whole lot about converts. The Bible talks, and Jesus talked a lot about disciples, discipleship. If we're going to be a disciple, then I don't just need to be, uh, I guess you would say, tamed. Self doesn't just need to be tamed or controlled to a certain extent. Self needs to be, whether it's little by little, however through our walk with God, it needs to be uh, eradicated. It needs to be uh taken out of the way fully so that Christ can live in you and in me fully. Mm -hmm. uh, G Paul said, for I am crucified with Christ. We know that crucifixion doesn't wound somebody. Crucifixion is not just uh, prison time. It doesn't make you sick. It doesn't make you uh, limp on one leg. Okay, crucifixion brings death. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So it's, it's a whole new life. It's a life of Christ. And, and so there has to be the death first. Now we really understand it's not the cross itself that has the power to do it. 
It's the Lord that has the power to do that in our lives. His instrument of doing it is the cross. Okay? His instrument of doing it is the cross. When, when um, Jesus talked about, you know, you don't put new wine into old wineskins because it would break the old wineskins. He's talking about the new life, like the Spirit of God, this life in Christ, this new covenant, this covenant in His blood, new life in the life of a believer. You don't just patch up the old. It has to be new. And so the new life in us is going to demand, not we don't add Jesus to what we are and then have a new and improved version of self. You'll understand that. It's a new life in Christ that has nothing to do with that old life. There's the new man and there's the old man. There's not a hybrid. There's not a half-breed of the new man and the old man. We still have the old nature in us, and we have certainly have the new nature of Christ in us by His Spirit. But this new life is not a blending. It's not a mixture. It's not a way to preserve self and make self better. You understand this? And it's like New Age and everything, where it's going it's to bring you to this higher self-realization, this higher achievement, this higher mental capacity. You know, New Age, Dianetics, all that stuff. Uh, uh, it's tied into all these mystery religions where it's basically you're tapping into this force, this God in you, quote, God in you, and it's a new and improved form of self. But it's just a promotion of self. It's idolatry. It would be self-idolatry. And I think a, a great part of the world, even if they considered themselves no religion at all, would, would be worshipers at the throne of self because they want what's best for them when we are created for the glory of God. We're created for the glory of God and the new creation, the redeemed man, is for the glory of God. And it also is the best for us. This is something we learn pretty quickly as well. If he loves me more than anyone loves me and proved his love when Jesus died on the cross, then he wants what is best for me. And what is best for me is to be his follower, his disciples, to walk in the fullness of his spirit because in his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence. And I need to get myself out of the way. Instead of saying, help me become better at this, that, and the other, and satisfy me and fulfill me, the means of God filling us is emptying us of ourselves first. Amen. And that's why you can't put the new wine in the old wineskins. The whole life is new. And think about this, y'all. Even when we're saved, we're born again. Our, our character, our nature, our worldview, a lot of that is still kind of tagging along. You know what I mean? Our fleshly desires, say like goals and pursuits. Uh, I've talked about it before. Let's say all your life you wanted to be a, uh, you know, growing up through life, you know, I want to be a, an attorney. I want to be, uh, achieve this certain thing or a doctor and achieve this in medicine. And so now you're, you're getting, then you get saved. And you think, okay, now the Lord's just going to help me become the best doctor. He's just along to help me with my goals and pursuits. And that is not at all what he's doing. It may be that he's going to make you a doctor or a lawyer. It may be that, but it may not be that. We just have to understand that he didn't come along to assist me through life like a strong tailwind blowing me. You know, everything's just wonderful. And, and because I know Jesus now and everything's just falling in place and I'm getting into the best law school and all, I'm getting hired by the best law firm. Oh, this is great. Thank you, Lord. Uh, we do thank the Lord if he does that. And he can do that. I'm not saying he doesn't do that. I'm simply saying that the, the old pursuits and the, the worldviews that we have, everything needs to be under subjection of the Lord. Everything, what we want, 
what we desire. I always go back to this. You know, Saul of Tarsus on his way to Damascus in Syria to persecute Christians. He had letters in his hand giving him the authority to do it. He's on his way. He's got his mind made up. He knows exactly what he's going to do. He thinks, and God, he meets the Lord on the road. His plans changed, didn't they? That's, that's putting it mildly. He's blinded. He, he can't see anything. He's got to be led by his hand. Uh, and goes into Damascus, and he stays blind for three days till God sends another believer, Ananias, to pray for him, that he would receive his sight, that he would be uh, receive the Holy Ghost, that he would uh, receive his calling of God upon his life, which he did. And but but when he was on the on the road and knocked off his horse, everything changed. He didn't say, "Okay, Lord, help me uh, to attain the heights of the heights of being a Pharisee." You understand what I'm saying? Everything stopped. It was day one. It was his birthday that day. And it started over. His life started over. And ask him if he thinks it was better than the life he had before. So anything that would bring him closer to Jesus, anything from that point forward that would be more of the life of Christ in him and less of that old man, he would say, oh, Lord, do whatever you have to do. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. Don't be afraid of the testings of God. Don't be afraid of the trials of God. Don't be afraid he's going to take something out of your hand that's so precious to you. Um, if he takes something out of our, our hands, it's because he saw it something that was hindering us from everything he had for us. Let him have it. Let him have it. I'm preaching to myself, okay? Randy, let him have it. Whatever it is that he desires to take. And so Paul's worldview changed that day. Doesn't mean he was perfected that day. He had to get up and walk with the Lord. He had to learn things. He had to grow in Christ. I'm sure he stumbled and fell uh, and, and things like that. But from that day forward, it was not just living for self. And a lot of Christians still today, maybe they claim to be Christian and they're really not. Maybe they are Christians and they're just immature or carnal or worldly. I can't judge that for every life. But I know that there are times where believers still just want the Lord to come along, like I said, and be that, that genie in the bottle that gives them what they want, that strong tailwind to just press them through all the, the difficulties of life. And God, God say, no, that's not what it's about. That is not what it's about. You do want joy. You do, do want peace. So it's not going to come by attaining to certain things in the world. It's not going to come by fulfilling every dream that you had and you listed them 1 through 20. This is what I want to uh, my, my bucket list, right? Before I die, what I want to accomplish. The Lord's got a different bucket list for all of us. And number one, He wants to be glorified through your life. Number two, He wants to be glorified through your life. And on down the line. And He knows how to satisfy. He satisfies the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Who does that? God does it. God does it. He takes the life of his people that he's redeemed by his blood. He knows how to get us to that fullness. He knows how to satisfy us to where we could not be satisfied with anything else in the world. In his presence is fullness of joy. The Lord is my portion. Always think about King David. A king's a king. I mean, that's awesome, right? I want to be the king. We used to play king of the hill, king of the, uh, when we were little, knocking people off some little hill who could stand up there and knock everybody off. Uh, but he's the king. He could do whatever he wanted, and yet he came to a place in his life. I don't think he was always that way. He probably grew in this. Okay, he grew in this. He came to a place in his life where he says, the Lord is my portion. I've set the Lord always before me. Therefore, I won't be moved. I'm setting the Lord before me. I've got this big kingdom, but this kingdom is temporary. It'll come and go. His health would come and go. We read about him getting old and dying in the Bible, and his son Solomon becomes king. He's not a warrior anymore. All those earthly things passed by, but Christ didn't pass by. And so we need to be, whatever will work that in our lives, whatever will help us, don't fear it. 
I'm not talking about some mystical thing that's not biblical, okay? I'm talking about the working of God's Spirit, and, and the cross is symbolizing something. We're not going to nail ourselves physically to a cross. We're talking about dying to ourselves, taking up our cross, daily denying ourselves and following the Lord and not doing it like it's a burden. Not doing it like Keith Malcolmson preached to our church on the video, not coming out of the fire smelling like smoke. Like, oh, I'm just bearing my cross. Well, if that's what Christianity is, I don't want it. How are we going to win people to the Lord? How are we going to be a testimony to other believers? What are our children going to see in us that we want that, that they want that? I want the Jesus that mom and dad have. I want the relationship that they have. Yes, they, we have trials. Yes, we have sorrows. Yes, we cry. We have all those things. But the overall pattern of our life is one of faith. It's trusting in God. It's prayer. It's crying out to God. It's rejoicing in tribulations. It's thanking God in all things. Not for all things necessarily, but in all things. Don't go and follow the Lord as his disciple, acting like you're having to give up so much. Amen. And that's the way a lot of people do. Boy, to be a disciple. It keeps a lot of people from getting saved because they think they got to give up so much. And then there are people that are saved that are like Lot's wife and they're looking back and they want everything that's back inside. When Almighty God's delivering her and getting her out of there and going to spare their lives and send them to something far better, she looks back and she wants what's back in the midst of that sinful place. And a lot of believers can do that too. We need to be honest with ourselves, right? Don't look at following the Lord and following Him more than you have, deeper than you have, more dying to ourselves. It's an, in, it's an incremental thing. I'll trust God to actually do it. You know what I'm saying? But there is real progress. Don't look at that as being you're really having to bear some horrible kind of burden. You're following Jesus. What could be better? What could be better than following the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of all things, the lover of our souls? David realized it. Even in the Old Testament, this saint realized it. Enoch walked with God. God took him and he wasn't anymore. God took him on to heaven. He was translated because before he, he was translated, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Well, he was also pleased with God. And when people really know the Lord, we understand that it's worth it to follow God and to serve God. And so uh, don't, be, don't be hopeless about it. There is real progress that we make. And I'm not going to be too long tonight, but, you know, we've talked about it before the, the COVID uh, quarantine and all that started. You know, all of a sudden that happened, and next thing we know, we're not meeting for church. I mean, it just kind of came on us, right? We saw it and heard about COVID on the news, and next thing you know, we're not having church together. And But leading up to that, I don't remember exactly, you know, the weeks, but probably for two or three months, probably for about two months, the Lord was giving me messages on for our church about this of the fullness of this life in Christ, a fuller life. Now we hit on different topics. Could have been a fuller prayer life, whatever, but the fullness of this life in Christ. And I think so many uh, of God's children come way short. And I don't want to. And if he's called me the pastor, which he has, I don't want you to. I can't make you and you can't make me, but we can encourage one another. We can light a fire behind each other's behinds, right? And get us moving on uh, in the Lord that a lot of people come short. We go, uh, I'm going this far and I'm not going any further. It might not be a conscious decision, but that's, that's the reality of it. I'm going this far, uh, 6 a.m. prayer meeting. I don't think I'm going with that. I mean, or, or just even your own private prayer life. I'm going this far. I know there's more, but for my work schedule and everything else, I'm kind of putting a halt to it right here. And we're basically telling God, my Christianity is going to be within this framework right here. But he says we're to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. Well, he's moving on. He's moving outside of my little box. 
that I drew. And I know him and I love him and I'm saved, but he's moving me on personally and you on personally outside of what we've done before. You've never been this way before. You know what the Lord told the Israelites? Get ready. You're getting ready to cross the Jordan River, river and to enter to this promised land. And this, you've never been this way before. This will be new for you. Okay? God has new things. Do you think they're going to be terrible? Do you think God's going to lead us into something terrible? No, He's not. What's going to be terrible is if I spend my whole life in my little box and I don't grow in my prayer life, I don't witness to anybody more than I do, I don't teach His Word any more than I do, I'm no more filled with the Spirit, uh, there's no more intimacy with Christ than, than what I have right now. That would be terrible. That would be, uh, that would be terrible when he has so much more for me. And there is an abandonment where we abandon ourselves to the Lord. I'm not talking about a carelessness. I'm talking about staying within the total confines of the Word of God. Okay? But still, moving on, there's a fullness and a lot of people don't attain to it. And I think there's probably just been maybe few people in the history of the church that really have. I forgot who was it that said it. I've quoted before. Maybe George Mueller. Maybe Moody. The world has yet to see what God can do through a life that's fully or wholly dedicated to Him. The world has yet to see it. Can you imagine if a life... We know Jesus was, of course, but and we read such amazing things about Mueller or or Paul, or Peter, or John, or David, Abraham, Moses, but to, to be fully dedicated. That's just is saying to me, there's more, okay? There's more for me personally. Turn your Bibles, if you would, into Ephesians chapter 1, just real quickly. We're not going to be too much longer tonight. Ephesians chapter 1. And let's read uh, 18 and 19, and then we'll skip down. This was his prayer. We're getting reading part of Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. These were saved people. He says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Well, they're already saved. Eyes have already been opened to Christ. But he's saying there's more. That you may know what is the hope of his calling and what, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Verse 10, 23, which is, the, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. To me, and we didn't read the whole prayer, but his, his prayer was, there's a lot more for you. He's not rebuking them. He's not like the, the church in Galatia. They haven't gone off to some false doctrine. He simply is trying to stir them up. He said, y'all, we, he included himself. We are like have touched the tip of the iceberg. You know, I know you've seen on TV or pictures of the iceberg as huge as it is, it's big enough to for ships to have to go around. It looks like a mountain. That's just the part of the, the majority, 90% of the iceberg is underwater. It's huge. And God wants us, there's a fullness. And in order for me to get the fullness, I'm not going to have the best of both worlds. I'm not going to have the best of the world with that old man being fully satisfied with everything that satisfies the old man and the best of everything in Christ. It is not to be that way. That's why there's this thing called this, the cross. That's why we opened up with that scripture, buried with him in baptism, raised with him. That burial means I died his death. It is, a, it is something by faith we count on and we reckon on. We'll get into more of the scriptures of this as we go. But I think it's important to say, see that, that uh, dying to the self and dying to this world and dying to our desires and so forth is not some miserable thing that we have to go through. I'm not saying it's painless, but it's a lot less painless than sin. The way of transgressors is hard, the Bible says. Sin is hard. People think it's so much fun. Living that life is hard, okay? Living that life is hard. And so 
The cross, y'all, is not just his cross. He had a cross that he died on, but we're identifying ourselves with him, okay? Identifying ourselves with him. And again, it's not just an inconvenience. It, it brings death. I mean, it's a total dying to ourselves. It is a requirement for every disciple of the Lord. And I'm bringing this to a close. If we are going to follow the Lord, it is a requirement. And so if I'm a believer, and I say I want to grow in Jesus, and I want, I want all the best of everything that Jesus has for me, but I don't want that cross right there. I want everything that Jesus has for me, but I don't want to lose my old friends. I want everything that Jesus has for me, but I don't want to lose my old lifestyle. It's not going, it's not going to be that way. He doesn't make exceptions for us. He is going to give you all of himself. And in exchange, we give him all of ourselves. I'm not just talking about the new birth. I'm talking about being a disciple and a follower of the Lord. The Bible says, and let's, let's uh, close. i got two, two scriptures that I want to close with. Turn your Bibles to 1 Peter, and we did a uh, chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3. We did a wonderful study. I know the Lord spoke to me in my study of 1 and 2 Peter. 1 Peter 3, 18. This, this was a wonderful scripture. This would be almost like a highlight of this epistle. Verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So it's a description of his death on the cross, why he did it. There was a suffering. He suffered for sins. He did it once. Okay. Just for the unjust. Why? That he might bring us to God. Bring us to God. Not just bring us to heaven when we die, but bring us to God in a right relationship. Not just washed in the blood of Jesus and, you know, like justified. It includes that. But bring us to God in a relationship with Him. Remember in Mark where it says Jesus prayed all night and the morning came. He called His 12 disciples when He first called them by name. It gives a list of the 12. He says he chose 12 that they might be with him. I, I talk about that a lot. And then it says that he might send them forth to preach and to have power over unclean spirits and all that. First, he chose 12 that they might be with him. Here it says that Jesus went to the cross and suffered and died. One time, he says to bring us to God. To bring us to God. The Lord wants us to come to Him and to walk with Him. If we, y'all, to, to realize or to know the price that was paid to redeem us, which was the, the blood of Jesus, His life's blood on the cross. To know that price that was paid, which we know, and still live a, world, a life of compromise after we've been saved, to still live a life in sin, dabbling in sin, being enticed with the things of the world, kind of going after those things and then coming back. Uh, it's a shame. It's a shame on us to know the price that was paid to redeem me from my sin and for me to still not take all this seriously enough to come out of that sin is a shame. It's a shame on There's a great price paid there is no greater price that could have been paid. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, in your spirit, and in your body, which are God's. In other words, God's possession. We're God's possession now. So glorify the Lord. I'll close with this, this scripture. This scripture about uh, in, in Hebrews 12 where it says wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great cloud of witnesses we know the passage what are the great cloud of witnesses that we're compassed about with well those are in, in Hebrews 11 right the Old Testament saints Enoch and Abel and Joshua and Noah and Moses and Sarah and, and David and all those that, uh, that the world was not worthy of the Bible says 
they were the children of God by faith. That's what we talked about last Sunday. And these, no, see, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great cloud of witnesses. So there are others that have walked this path before. We're not the first. Okay? There are Old Testament saints that look forward to Christ's coming, that denied themselves in their lives. Elijah and, uh, and David and you know, you just think about different people who took a stand and, and they chose the Lord as their portion, right? And they walked with God. Moses refused the riches of Egypt and chose to, to suffer with, with the people of God because he knew of God's reward. This is who we're compassed about, so to speak. There are those in New Testament saints that have gone before us. This is not some new path. We've never been there before, but it's not new. And there is hope. God wants us to be hopeful. We're compassed about the great cloud of witnesses that have gone before. They are proof that, that God is faithful. And uh, he says, let us lay aside every weight. Lay aside every weight. And the sin that does so easily beset or entangle us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. This is discipleship. It's not salvation. This is discipleship. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Now listen, I'm closing with this part. Who for, we're talking about the cross, and we, we can't look at it as just some miserable thing. The cross is an instrument that God uses to get us into the fullness of everything he has for us in Jesus. To die to ourselves so we can be filled with everything he has for us. Who for, who for looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. And, and uh, as in that first go, despised the shame, is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the whole time he's on the cross, the whole time he's living and on his way to the cross, for 33 and a half years, the whole time he's physically on the way to the cross when he's carrying it. And then the soldiers begin to take the nails and they stick it in the hole and he's hanging there. The whole time he is looking beyond that because there is a joy that was set before him. And he, he couldn't get to the joy that was set before him without first going to the cross. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. The cross had to be the means to get to the joy. And so he, he knew that the joy was coming, to be restored to the glory that he had with his father before, and even to be a ministry uh, that would be new even for him as our high priest, having finished that work on the cross where he's set, set down at the right hand of the Father with the finished work now finished, right? Uh, he had to go through the cross, to the cross and through the cross. So don't be depressed or discouraged. There is a joy that is set before us. And so taking up our cross, again, don't do it like we're smelling like smoke. Don't do it like, for me, I've got to serve God. There is a joy that is set before us, a hope that is set before us, and there's not some other way to get there. Lord, I want the shortcut. I want the easy path. There's not. He says, I'm not going to give you the easy path. It's going to be like Peter went. It's going to be like Paul went. It's going to be like David went. It's going to be the same. The countless believers that we don't even know their names, that glorified God in their lives and glorified God in their deaths and, and refused the things of this life and said, no, I'm going to take what God has for me. I'm going to set myself apart for the Lord. However many days I'm on this earth, I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to joyfully follow him because in the end, it is worth it. He is worth it. Amen. D, you can come. We're going to just close with that, y'all. And I'll, I'll close this in prayer. Take a few moments. Uh, however many weeks we're in this study, this is going to be our theme. This is going to be our, our thought. This is going to be our prayer about going on to everything that ha Jesus has for us. There's not some new seminar. There's not some new thing that they're doing over in Pensacola or in some other country 
Oh, they've discovered a new way to get to the fullness of God without, without following what the Word of God says, without taking up our cross and denying ourselves. Don't, those are games. They're just games. We're, we're serious about walking with the Lord, and He's serious about rewarding us. And so we're going to lay hold on the Lord. We're going to go on to what He has for us. There's going to be real progress in our lives. I think over the last three years, we've seen real progress in our lives. I know that I have. I've seen it in your lives as well. Be encouraged. Amen. Be hopeful. And, and let's pray. And you find your place to call upon the Lord just a few minutes before we go tonight. Lord, we come before you tonight, God. And Lord, we're going to confess to you that it's not a burden for us to follow our Savior. It's not an inconvenience for us to follow after the lover of our souls. It's not a bother. And God, forgive me, forgive us if we've looked at a deeper walk and how to get there, that that's just a real bother. It's not worth it to us. God, forgive us. It is worth it. You are worth it. Don't let us listen to the lies of the devil. Don't let us listen to the lies of the world. Don't let us listen to the lies of our own carnal mindset and thinking help us to hear what your word says and your word says that uh, without faith it's impossible to please and for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder you're a rewarder of them that diligently seek you God help us God I don't have all the answers I don't understand the cross perfectly myself I pray you give us understanding as we study the scriptures as we study the word of God I don't want to make it something it's not. I don't want to take away from what it really is. I pray you give us all a deeper understanding of what it means to, to identify with Christ and his death, to take up our own cross daily and deny ourselves and follow you and help us, God, to do that with great joy by your grace, by the working of the Holy Spirit, God. We ask it in Jesus' name.